Will you pray with me, please? Lord Jesus Christ, please be our guest, our morning joy, and our evening rest. And with this weekly word in part, your grace and peace into our hearts. We pray this in your most holy and precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. The title of the message this morning is, Now What? After midterm elections this past Tuesday, November 8th, now what do we do? How do we live? How will we ever survive? I wonder what your reaction is to the election. Did, uh, did your particular person get elected or not? Did your particular position or platform get expressed or not? Did the proposals come through like you expected them to? After an election like this, pivotal as it is, we are often left with certain feelings. Sometimes it's gladness, sometimes it's anger, sometimes it's sadness. And sometimes even the people you voted for and wanted to win didn't get in, even though you prayed for that and wanted that to happen. I learned uh, quite a bit at the, about the election and about Frankenmuth and the state of Michigan and how we relate to one another in terms of how we voted. The Frankenmuth News this past Wednesday had an article on the front page that posted the election results from the midterm election. And it was interesting to see how Frankenmuth voted. First of all, what we learned is as a community, Frankenmuth comes out to vote. 75% voter turnout, which is outstanding. And I appreciate that. Compared to other communities like Detroit that only had 30% turnout, it's amazing that the folks in Frankenmuth uh, value their freedom and want to have a say in how they are governed. And I appreciate that and admire about that, about this community. Um, the other thing I learned, which might not be surprising to many of you, but uh, the way we voted is interesting. About two-thirds of, of Frankenmuth voted um, for more what I would call conservative or Republican ideals or proposals or uh, candidates. And then the other third were more liberal or Democrat. Um, and that's uh, interesting because that's, in, uh, I think, in contradistinction to the rest of the state. So the, there's a difference in the way Frankenmuth votes and the rest of the state uh, went in that last election. Um, also interesting to note is that because of that, what that informs me of as a pastor is that one-third of our people voted differently than two-thirds of our people, which means in this community and also in our congregation that we have folks who vote differently. We have folks who vote differently, and we live among them, we work among them, we also worship among them. And I think what the, the devil would love in this particular event, with this particular culture and community, is to bring division in our midst. What I learned about uh, the election with regard to state and national results is this, and we've known this for quite some time, that uh, partisan politics and parties continue to divide our country and the church, and yes, even sometimes those in our congregation. And I don't like that one bit. That sometimes, which is peripheral, takes center stage in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives. And I think the temptation for us, even as Christians, even as people of God, is sometimes to make that which is peripheral central in our lives and our focus. And I see that happen sometimes even to myself in, in po political seasons, in election cycles. 
I get excited about candidates. I get uh, engaged with certain uh, positions or, or platforms, and, and uh, we want to vote for things or against them. And sometimes we can get so worked up, and sometimes we're so jacked up on, on news media, right, or, or the radio, that sometimes we forget whose we are as a people of God and how we're supposed to treat others, especially those who believe and behave differently and even vote differently. And so I think this message will be helpful and hopefully informative and a little inspirational for us as God's people post-election. There was a man who lived a long time ago. He was a prophet of God. His name was Malachi. Can you say Malachi? Malachi was living and working and being a vehicle and vessel for God's word to the people in about 450 BC, over 400 years before Christ would come. So he is at a special time in the life of Israel where God's people are brought back from exile in Babylon back to Jerusalem and they're kind of reordering and recentering their lives and how they're going to live as God's people. They get the opportunity to rebuild their temple, which is their central place of worship and also the location of sacrifice to receive the forgiveness from the Lord. And as they're doing this, Malachi has an oracle. Can you say oracle? Oracle. An oracle is a statement about how Yahweh, the Lord God, will intervene in the lives of his people. And as Malachi is getting set to do this, he's going to share three basic things. Number one, Malachi affirms Israel's position as Yahweh's covenant people nationally. So as a whole, Israel, right, God's people living and working in that day and age, are going to continue to be a people of God. God will be their God, they will be his people, and as such, they are to order their lives according to the commands and the promises of the Lord God. That's the expectation. God's going to be their God, and therefore they will obey him and also trust in him for their future. Second, Malachi also encourages people in their relationships with one another and their families. Malachi acknowledges family life and that the, the peace that happens in the greater nation of Israel will also be expected in the households of Israel. And so his desire is for families to follow God's word and to turn to each other with the love and forgiveness that he provides for them, following the example of his word. And so at this time, we're, we're told that sometimes family units look differently than ours do today. Sometimes it's not just one primary family unit that are living together, but sometimes two and three family units living together. Can you imagine that in your house today? It would be quite the party in the Hubbard house, that's for sure. Malachi has a word of encouragement for families, that they are to turn to each other in love as they all together follow the commands and trust in the promises of our Lord from his word. Third, Malachi points God's people to a time when all people, everyone, will acknowledge Jesus as the Son of of righteousness, pointing to that time where the Apostle Paul says that every knee will bow down and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That time will come in the future. And Malachi says that acknowledging the promised Savior, acknowledging the coming Messiah will be important for God's people. And they ought to receive this son of righteousness, the son who brings righteousness, the son who will be the righteousness of his people and for his people. 
And that's, my friends, where there will be an actual division. In a sermon where I'm going to encourage us not to be divided amongst one another, God's word is very clear that a time is coming when there will be a separation between people. And Malachi makes it very clear in his word what that separation will be. There will be a separation when this Messiah returns to us again, when Jesus Christ, the true Son of God and the Savior of the world returns, there will be a separation, and it's very serious. God will separate those who believe and trust in him and received his Son as their Savior from those who spoke harshly against him and rejected Jesus Christ and his gospel. Friends, it's a very serious proclamation and prophecy. Malachi, back in about 450 BC, even before Christ would be born in Bethlehem as a baby, is communicating to God's people that there will become a time when there will be division in this world. And that division will be real. And that division will be permanent. And therefore, take this seriously. There will be a division between those who believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and those who reject Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And friends, quite frankly, that is why we are in the business that we're in as a church, as the church of Jesus all over this planet. We receive the blessings of life and salvation through Jesus, and we share those blessings with others. That is our job as a church to proclaim through word and sacrament the saving name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, to repent of our sins and receive his forgiveness, and then as forgiven and free people to share the love and forgiveness of Christ with others so that they too will receive Jesus as their Savior and have that glad confidence that we share, that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's a very serious matter that Malachi points us to but we also have a very serious Savior who gave his life for us and for all people and desires all people to be saved. And because of that, we've got a lot of serious work to do as his church to share that message of love and forgiveness with others. Friends, it's more pivotal now than ever because this culture and even in our country, the devil uses things to divide us as God's people. Think of all the ways that we are divided as people. We're divided by what we look like, the shading of our skin. We're divided by where we're from, where we were born, where we live, where we work. We're divided where we, about uh, where we send our kids to school. We're divided on how much money we make or don't make. We're divided among, obviously, the way we vote and the candidates we choose, and the, and the strategies that we, we hold uh, for solving problems and serving people. We're even divided among sports teams. I once had a conversation with someone. This was not in this area. This was in another area of Michigan. And uh, they were talking to me about Michigan State and Michigan fans, right? And how much better Michigan State fans were than Michigan fans, because Michigan fans were, you know, whatever, right? And I kind of laugh like, you know, <laughs> you know, it's very funny. He goes, no, Pastor Brad, I'm serious. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, dude, you know, it's just a game. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, <clears throat> yeah, we didn't agree on that. 
But it's interesting what Satan will use to divide us as his people. Thanks be to God that he's given us so many incredible blessings as a church to share with each other that will bring us closer together as a family of faith. The first thing that God gives to us is the blood of his son, Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ covers our sins and reconciles us with God the Father in heaven. Say amen. And that same blood of Jesus that forgives our sins helps us to forgive others. So not only do we have reconciliation with God the Father, we have this ministry of reconciliation to share with one another. Say amen. Amen. God loves us and forgives us through Christ. We share his love and forgiveness with each other. The blood of Christ unites us. The blood of Christ unites us. The next thing that brings unity is the bonds of faith. The bonds of faith. What I mean by that is there is a certain understanding we have about God and his word and who we are in relationship with God. And we as Lutheran Christians believe certain things about God. We believe that uh, that God is uh, one God in three persons, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe that God has revealed himself to us through his word and that this is the inspired and inerrant word of God for our lives that points us to salvation in Jesus. We do believe that we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone and that there's no one else who can save us from our sins except Jesus Christ, the true Son of God and the promised Savior of the world. We believe a lot of specific things that God shares with us in his word as Lutheran Christians, and that theology and practice inform our worship life together as a congregation. So we have these these bonds of faith that we share because of what we believe about God and his word. Say amen. amen. And that's what our new members will profess this morning for themselves, that as they understand this faith and as they want to practice this faith, uh, they want to share this bond of faith with us as a people of God, and I think that's pretty cool. Um, I think it was mentioned earlier by Bobby Cody that about 30 people will be joining our church at this Connect service. Overall, as a congregation, this fall, we are receiving 90 new members to our congregation that will be part of our congregation and school. Can we thank and praise God for that? That's amazing. That's amazing. And they will join us in this next thing that unites us, which is the brotherhood and sisterhood of the church. What do I mean by that? I mean that because we are Christian folks who live and do life together as a congregation of people, that we have a connection that not everybody has. I am closer to you, my family of faith here at St. Lawrence, than I am to other people in Frankenmuth or in Saginaw County or in the state of Michigan. I'm closer to you because, yes, I know you and you know me, but also because we share this common bond of faith and we share membership in this church. And as people look at us as brothers and sisters in Christ and how we relate to one another, they see hopefully a difference than in other communities, than in other groups, than in other organizations. And as we share the light and love of Jesus with them, hopefully they'll say, wow, there's something about them. There's something about that group. There's something about that church that is special. And we say, yes, there is, and we're thankful for that. And what makes us special is not us. It is Christ in us. Say amen. Amen. The fourth thing that unites us as God's people is this blessed burden that we have to share Jesus and to serve others. What a joy it is to be a part of a family of faith 
that not only receives the blessings of God through Christ, but wants to share those blessings with others. And we do so joyfully and generously. And we do so without any thought of return. No manipulation, no expectation, just the the responsibility that is ours, that as we have received from the Lord freely, we give to others freely as well. And we serve their needs. We come alongside them in their time of difficulty and we share Jesus with them as the Holy Spirit guides and directs us in this ministry. So one of the things that unites us is rolling up our sleeves and serving others alongside one another in this ministry that God has given us. And then fifth, I think the last thing that God shares with us in his word that unites us as a people of God is the belief that better and brighter days are ahead. That was what was part of Malachi's ministry to the people of his day. That yes, this division was coming. There was going to be a separation. There was going to be a judgment that occurred when the Messiah returned, but, or excuse me, when the Messiah came. And as we look forward to this Messiah's return, we still believe that better and brighter days are ahead. We acknowledge the fact that until that time, there will be difficulty. There will be stress and strife in life. There will be divisions among families and communities and even a country. And there will be Yes, wars and rumors of war. There'll be, nat- uh, there'll be natural disasters that we encounter. There'll be false teaching. There will be uh, divisions within the culture and among people. But that does not have to be us as the people of God. One of the things that brings us together and unites us as God's people is this belief that better and brighter days are ahead and we can have hope for the future all because of God's promises to us in Jesus Christ. Would you please say amen to that? I want to share a story as I close up the message this morning, and that is this. A few weeks ago, I was able to join with other parents and some of our staff members on the eighth grade trip to Washington, D.C. The trip was amazing. Not the trip there and back, necessarily. It's a long bus ride. And there's differences between a boy's bus and a girl's bus, and they have to do with smell and drama. I'll let you guys talk about that at lunch later. But I'd never been to Washington, D.C. It was a privilege for me to visit our nation's capital, uh, to see all the monuments and memorials, and to, to be so close to these seats of power. And one of the most significant things for me was when we gathered together outside the White House, our executive branch, when we gathered together outside of the Capitol building, our legislative branch, when we gather together outside of the Supreme Court, our judicial branch of government. And in each of these places, we read God's word, we prayed, we prayed the Lord's Prayer together. We gathered freely. We assembled peaceably. No one was oppressing us or protesting. And we joined together as brothers and sisters in Christ, and we prayed for our country, for our leaders, for the upcoming election, and we prayed that God's will be done and his kingdom come. Now, maybe that didn't happen the way you wanted it to happen in this last election. But this experience gave me a perspective that we still live in a land that is blessed, where we do have freedoms, and that's worth fighting for, that's worth sacrificing for, as so many of our veterans have. And because of that, we still get to gather together as God's people, worship him in spirit and truth, and practice our faith without coercion or involvement from the government. And that, my friends, is a tremendous blessing.
Think a veteran this week. Think someone who's come before us in the faith this week and has fought the good fight of freedom because it matters and it does make a difference. And as we have this peaceful transition of power and as we inaugurate and install new officers and newly elected officials, our prayer is the same. May God's kingdom come and may his will be done in our time and place. And Lord, may we as a people of God never allow other things in this life that we encounter to divide us because we are united in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And all God's people said, amen. amen.